Right. Well, you know, and here it is. I'm going to, I'm going to just lay it out on the line now. Everything else is just stuff. People is where the love is. You are now listening to the living numbers and Tony rambles, 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 and the living numbers podcast. This is the living numbers podcast where everyone is interesting. If you ask the right questions. So of course we have a wonderful guest for you all today. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, download all of that great stuff, share it with your buddies because you know they're going to love it too. So without further ado, hailing from Los Angeles, California with a bachelor's in telecommunication from University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Ducks. Quack attack. Yes, sir. And his law degree from Southwestern Law School. He's worked in theater, his first love, law, as a professor at his fine institutions like Columbia College Hollywood, Loyola Marymount University, and his alma mater, Southwest Law School. He believes in the power of ink to paper. His profession is people-focused, but he prefers working alone, even though he's a co-host, or he has a co-host, rather, and he is a sound guy at heart. The voice of podcast law, I present the Gordon Firemark. Say hello to the people. Hello, hello. Thank you, Anthony. That's a great introduction. I, I, uh, you did your, your homework on that. And uh, man, it, speaking of homework, like I'm rushing to get home after school because I'm a teacher and it's like this is our second week of school. Mm-hmm. So there's all so many loose ends that still need to be tied up and you got paperwork and you got this totally. and you got that. And speaking of school, we're going to kick it here to our first number. And that number is five years old because that's when our very own Gordon firemark got the theater bug and i'm a huge fan of theater myself now i am not as well versed as you are (laughs) with all of the extensive knowledge that you have but tell us all how you got started in theater how did that happen well thank you first of all i think the the well-versed and that that's a function of age too i think i'm a little older than you so I, i probably got 20 years on you there but um I got so you said it. I was five years old. I'm in kindergarten at this K through twelve school, public school in uh, the the Boston, Massachusetts area, and the high school kids are doing their production of Oliver, the big the big musical about Oliver Twist, and they decided to bring the the kindergarten kids in to watch a dress rehearsal. And we sat down in the seats, and the teachers are saying, you know, be respectful and listen carefully and pay attention and don't fidget and. Those lights went on and the curtains went up and and I'll tell you, I was hooked. I was mesmerized, just drawn into that. And really, I think what impressed me was all the technical stuff and how, how do they make that happen? How do they make those things fly up out of there and all that kind of stuff, as well as the storytelling. And I wanted to be a part of it. And I went home that day and I told my parents and they encouraged that and brought us, me and my sisters, to see plays and musicals and things. And and uh, cut to a few years later, we've moved across the country to where um, uh, I'm getting into some 
kind of low grade trouble with my middle school buddies. Can you imagine a bunch of Cub Scouts running around getting into trouble <laughs> in our uniforms? <laughs> anyway, it's like you guys don't belong here. What is happening? Exactly. I mean, some of the scenes that I got into with these guys, and and it was all really low grade kind of trouble, nothing major, but mm. it was enough to you know to be taken notice. Anyway, for some reason, the the middle school principal, Jerry Evans, who I respect and admire and I love him for this to the day, to this day, he pulled me aside and he said, I want you to run the lights and sound for the school play or the school uh, variety show and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I did and I ran the light and the, running the lights was, you know, turn them on, turn them off, <laughs> turn them on, turn them <laughs> off. And, and the sound was, you know, three microphones and some PA speakers. But that got me back into the theater stuff and interested mm. and it kept me interested into high school where we had a really good theater program at the high school I attended. And I got to be, uh, you know, after a couple of years, I was the sound guy for the school shows and working with that. And that got me a job working professionally in a community theater and then onto some of the local theme parks here in L.A. and, and into the professional theater community all before I finished high school. So I started college wow. as, a, as, a, as a theater major only to come to the shocking reality that they were talking about acting. <laughs> I was not an onstage guy at all. So... Uh, I shifted out of that and bounced around from, you know, fine hist fine art photography as a major. And then I went to journalism. Mm -hmm. I ended up doing radio, television, and film as my major in college with a minor in history. And uh, uh, that's where I sort of got the bug for electronic media. Did you, did they ever try to get you to do any on-screen stuff? Like, ah, oh, come on, Gordon, you could do it. Um, a little bit. I didn't like it. Uh -huh. I didn't want to. I, you know what it is? I love to be on on in the spotlight, as I as you can tell. I never thought I did, but I realized recently I really do. What I don't like is saying other people's lines. Mm. <laughs> you there someone you else know. wrote it. Let someone else say those things. I'm going to speak from my heart, from my mind, and share my knowledge and experience. And that's really what I love doing. And that's why I love doing podcast interviews and being a podcaster myself as well. So. Man, I think we're kindred spirits in that mm -hmm. way. I want to talk about, because as you were talking, you said you had all of these different kinds of opportunities that opened up just because, you know, you had that that principal that said, come on, Gordon, uh, I got to keep you out of trouble. I, he, I'm pretty sure he saw something in you, Mr. Evans, yeah. and said, okay, let me keep this guy next to me, even if it's just giving him this small thing to do. Did he know that you were into theater already or he was just kind of trying to help you out? I, I don't know if he knew I was into theater. Maybe mm. he had talked to my parents behind the scenes and, you know, what can we do to intervene with Gordon to, and they may have, I, 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 I got to go ask my mom about that actually. But no, I don't think he had any specific knowledge that that was what I was wow. interested in. Um, but he figured something out and I'll tell you, he's the one who inspired my love of photography as well. Cause he was a photographer um, uh, that, that actually did all the photos for the school plays and things like that as well. So it was just, you know, he was just my kindred spirit and, yeah. and um, showed me uh, the way in a form of leadership that I think most school principals don't try to do very much. But he, mm. uh, he made a special impression on me. So I'm, I'm ever grateful. Do you remember anything specific that was outside of school that that kind of afforded you an opportunity to do where you go, man, this is actually pretty cool. Like, Whoever would have thought a year or two years ago, I would be able to be in this position to now do this. What was one of those things? 
Well, certainly to to meet and and work with and and collaborate with students from other schools and the professional acting and performing community here in in uh, L.A. It got me into the connection in Hollywood and and really sort of the laid some of the groundwork for my later becoming a lawyer in the entertainment industry and uh, um, I, you know so work related stuff like that, but. I think it it really it, it was also just a teaching you a, a way of looking at the world as sort of everything is theater when you think about it. <laughs> so, man, I love that. That's awesome. Everything is theater. It's uh, keep going, keep going. Well, I mean, when I say you know what was it Shakespeare, right? He said, "All the world's a stage, and we are but players upon it." I, there's a real truth in that, and you know, the artist, the bard, saw that in those days, and I think it's still true. If you look at everything, you know, look, we we set up our lives to look a certain way. We we wear the clothes we wear to make a certain kind of impression, to give a message, and um, you know, the way people perceive us. Sometimes we are successful creating that perception, and sometimes they see right through, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they see the actor rather than the than the character. And, I, you know, anyway, so one thing I do try to do is to be pretty um, authentic and transparent about who I really am yes. and so on. But, you know, you, I mean, you see I'm not wearing a necktie and a, and a suit today, even though I'm in lawyer mode sometimes. Right, right, right. Uh, so there you go. It's funny because I teach speech class, and I've talked about this a ton of times, but I'm taking this kind of theater approach to my class uh, mm-hmm. this year because I do feel like, if it's not naturally you to just be this outgoing, to be this loud, you know, kind mm-hmm. of not braggadocious, that may be a little bit too far, but to to use your, your hands and to talk like in those ways, it can be very difficult, right, for these kids to then try to like turn that on. Mm-hmm. So I'm really kind of slow playing it and teaching them and trying to show them all these, these different examples, like, yeah, the, the world again, the world is a theater. So like the way that you dress when you come and do your speech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of attention getters and these kind of things. And and it's so, and the world is a theater that's just kind of running my mind right now because yeah. in every avenue that you go into, there's this perception like you talked about. Like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I dress to go here? Like even me now, we talked about going to podcast movement next week. I'm like, okay, what shirts am I going to wear? I'm going <laughs> to wear something that, that's the Tony Rambles kind of look, all right? Because right yeah. that's what people would know me as when I go there. So mm-hmm. the world is your theater. And well, so and speaking you know, of- there's, there's something more to it than that, Anthony. And that yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we create our reality. Mm. You know, we are always constructing the scenarios around us. And it really, you know, you talk about, you get a little woo and you talk about manifestation of, of the things we want in our lives. And some of the way we do that is by creating it from the ground up. And that, you know, some people yes. call it fake it till you make it. But I really believe that if you have the mindset, if you think like a professional, if you act like a professional, if you, if you plan things out for yourself, it, the act of planning is what's important, not whether you stick to the plan exactly. Yes. But behaving like the, the, person projecting the stuff that a person like you want to be do Mm -hmm. you know does that's how you become that that archetype or that person so it's not fake it till make it it's be it until you've recognized as having made it yes i i despise that term fake it because we you don't have to be fake you could just say okay i'm i'm in the beginning stages of Mm -hmm. 
becoming an entrepreneur. I'm in the beginning stages of becoming a lawyer or whatever it is. But it's what not we do fake. is we put on the wardrobe of the, you know, or the armor. Yeah, everybody's got a uniform. The hero. Yeah. So you got to be the hero of your story. And the way you do that is you act like that hero behaves. There we go. Right. If you want to be a podcaster, mm-hmm. you got a podcast, you got to get you a know, mic, you know, you got to start. Exactly. You got to do there's, it. There's a, a guru, not a guru, but a, a guy that I've paid a little attention to over the years who has this idea mm-hmm. that most of us come at life with this idea of when I have this stuff, then I will be able to do these things so I can be this thing, this person. Be, do, have. I mean, have, do, be. And it's mm-hmm. backwards. You got to be, do, and then you'll have the things. Yep. And and so, you know, be that that person that's in your vision of your future. That's amazing. I'm glad you said that. I mean, we talked about some of the questions beforehand. That that I mean, that works perfect mm-hmm. for what we're going to talk about later with our three what's. Sure thing. But you... Wear a lot of hats. <laughs> I sure do. Got to cover. So up I'm this looking at your profile. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm uh, oh, the exact opposite. <laughs> Funny story. Funny story about hair. Uh, so I'm kind of losing some in the front, right? And so I go through this stint where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to be bald. You know. So I shave my head, and I cut it off, and you know. It is the worst trying to keep it shaved and maintained when you still have a lot of hair growing. Yeah. And so eventually my hair is growing. I'm like, okay, I've come to a place where either I'm going to to like lock it or I got to cut it again because I have all this hair still. And, you know, I'm still I'm still being the guy with the hair. So <laughs> I'm still being it. Uh, so back to our hats. Right. That's one of our numbers here, because you wear a lot of hats and I'd say four minimum because I probably would add five to that with with dad because you talked about kids yeah but you're a lawyer a lawyer Mm -hmm. uh you're a podcast host and you're also a professor Mm -hmm. so how do you find balance i know with the past couple of years people are like know your value and you know take your time back and all of this great stuff that's easy to say but sometimes harder to do so how do you find balance and wearing these different hats and knowing where to put time where Honestly, I think there are some in my life who would argue that I don't have. I haven't found balance. <laughs> <laughs> but um, really what it comes down to is boundaries. Mm. You know, I make it a point that I am done with my work day at 5 o'clock most days. Certainly my law office hours are closing at right. five, 5 in the evening. Uh, you know, it, it's gotten to starting early. Once the kids are off to school, I can sit down and do stuff. So it's great. But um, you know, I, I enforce a lunch hour where I don't work. I, I have some lunch and I relax or watch a little TV or something, or maybe do a little reading, um, whenever I can. And I, I sort of stick to a, a prescribed work day. Mm-hmm. I have the teaching all light lined. I teach at two different institutions right now and I teach, um, uh, all on Wednesday. So it's all one day of the week is just dedicated to teaching. And so my, my receptionist at the law office, they know, He's not available today. We don't make any appointments on Wednesdays. Nobody's getting through to reach him on the phone, that kind of thing. And so I go into town and I teach my class on uh, at one school at three o'clock on, or noon to three on Wednesday. And then I bring I take the train home and I teach an online class at night from seven to ten. So again, boundaries and mm-hmm. and my students know that they can reach me by email and stuff. But mostly, if they want to talk to me, it's going to be on Wednesday. Um, 
and and then you know the dad stuff is in those other hours, the the uh, evenings and weekends. I try to guard my weekends pretty carefully. And what were the other roles we were talking about? <laughs> Podcast <laughs> host. Oh, podcasting. I have fixed days of the week and times of the day that I dedicate to working on the podcast. Like I do have one thing on Sunday nights. I have a meeting with my podcast team just so we can sort of plan out the episode um, that we're going to be recording. We only do a monthly show, so it's not a huge time commitment there. Mm. And that's that's one Wednesday a month that we record the show live, uh, or live to drive, I should say. So, you know, it's all about just sort of carving out the niches for where things go and being pretty rigid about sticking to it. Um, and if that means that somebody wants to reach me on a Wednesday morning, sorry. <laughs> I'll be back t- tomorrow. <laughs> and um, I actually had this come up this morning. Uh, a client that I've worked with over the years here and there reached out to me and said, we're starting our recording. It's a podcast project and they're starting and they need contracts with the actors and they need them done because the first actor starts recording on Monday. Well, I'm getting on a plane Monday morning to go travel to the podcast movement conference. And I said, say, well, uh, sorry, it's short notice. And she called me up in in a panic. And I said, well, if you have it to me by the end of, you know, lunchtime today, I might be able to get you, get back to you on it. Haven't heard from her, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, tough, but you know, once I'm on the plane, I'm I'm out. I'm taking it. I'm treating it like a vacation to a certain extent. It's just how long did it kind of to how long did it take you to kind of find these different slots for these things? And go okay. I think I have a semblance of what a schedule should look like for all the mm-hmm. things that I that I do. Well, um, you know, it, it's been. It's been in flux. It, it's evolved over the years, of course. But mm. I've always sort of known if I if there are things that I want in my life, I have to make the time for them. And before I got married, it was finding someone to be in relationships with and, you know, those kinds of things. And so you always had yep. to make time to go on dates and, and allocate a budget for dating as well. It's it, budgeting oh, yeah. time just like budgeting money, right? So you have to have a savings account of time that is – your weekend Mm. or, you know, where if you're going to spend it on things that you really care about, great. Make sure you're spending it wisely. Yes. On the things that are important to you. So having a date or, or going out for a meal or enjoying what you enjoy, you know, like going to theater or something like that, that costs money and time. And so you have to allocate it. So I've always sort of had that idea. Maybe I got that from my parents. I don't know. And, um, um, it, yeah, it's just sort of come to me pretty naturally. I, I don't think I was ever a crazy workaholic or right. when I was in school, it was all school all the time, you know, focus, 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 but, uh, and then go out and party once in a while just to cut yeah. loose. Yeah. Gotta let loose. Gotta... Right the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when you're in school, that is, it's like living in a different world. Mm-hmm. It's like, all school, this is the only thing that matters. It's right in front of you. And even now, like high school age kids, mm-hmm. I mean, they have so much pressure as far as like trying to get into places. Mm-hmm. My kids did a, uh, they had to come up with like some topics on some things. And one of them was like college applications, just out of control, out of control. Mm-hmm. And so they have so much that they're dealing with. It's such a different time now than it was. I mean, I'm only 33, but I graduated high school 15 years ago. Yeah. That's that's crazy to say, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's such a different time. 
and being able to manage stress and manage time, I think is something that is very, very important. So you mentioned your podcast is once a month. Yeah. And so let's talk about your podcast. So how did that come along? Because I know you're, you're the podcast lawyer and entertainment. Right. And so all of these things, I think, kind of intersect in some way. So sure. how, did, how did that work? So as a lawyer, you know, I, I've been practicing law for, well, since you were born, basically. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, in, the, in the early 90s, when I was sort of starting my practice and, and getting it going, I was looking for ways to market the practice. And that mm. was the, at the time when this new thing called blogging came about. And I started blogging oh, yeah. as a way of generating content to attract Google search results and things to my law practice. And, you know, I was okay. I, I don't mind writing once in a while, but I, I didn't love sitting down and writing. And then I got invited to be a guest on a podcast. What's this thing? Pod I mean, I sort of knew because there's, I was following some podcasters in about the mid 2000s now. Um, mm -hmm. And I was following this one guy, this podcaster who had been a TV host that I watched his show, a guy named Leo Laporte. And uh, I was watching his tech TV show. And then he left that to start well, he was fired and then he started podcasting <laughs> and uh, they just changed up the network and yeah, things happen. And I, so I followed him and I said, Oh, that's pretty cool what he's doing. And I, you know, mm -hmm. being a sound guy, I knew about microphones and I was a tech geek with computers and I could probably figure that out. And just around that moment, this fellow calls me up and says, Hey, I've got, I, uh, I do a podcast about video videographers and I'm always getting these legal questions. Will you just come on as a guest and answer some questions? Sure. Great. So that led to doing that again three or four times. And then he says, you know what? Let's start a weekly show or every other week where we do the law and video podcast. And he was the host. And all I had to do was field the questions, which kind of fun yeah. for me. And then that went on for about a year. And then he says, you know, I, my, my job's getting busier. I'm not going to be able to keep doing this. So we're going to hang up the sh this podcast. But now I'm hooked. So I decided I'll start my own show. And it was really Entertainment Law Update is just a, a way of positioning me as a real expert in my field. And all I'm doing with my co-host, Tamara, she lives in the Dallas area, we get together on this call once a month and we review cases and news of things that have happened in the entertainment law field that month. So copyrights and trademarks and contract deals and music industry stuff and all those kinds mm -hmm, of things. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing that now for 13 years, every month, and... Everybody in the entertainment law world knows and and knows of the podcast and recognizes our. I, I get recognized by my voice. I'll be. I'll walk up in a place and I'll start talking, and people will turn around and go, "Oh, that's Gordon," <laughs> 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 which is pretty wild. Um, and so you know, uh, and then when clients are looking for a lawyer and they see that I've got this podcast and I've got all this backlog of content, it's like, "Oh, he must be right. a real expert. He knows what he's doing." So it was a marketing strategy for me. And it happens that I really like doing it and it's fun. And when I started, I thought I should really make sure I'm doing this by the legal book. Mm. And I went looking for resources and there weren't any. Wow. So being an entertainment lawyer, you know, it's mostly the same stuff. So I just went and I, I researched it and I figured things out and I decided these are the things that are important. And I wrote a book and that positions me now as an expert on podcast law. And so I get up and speak at conferences like next week I'll be talking to the yep. the good podcasters at Podcast Movement and uh 
I'm giving a talk called The State of Podcast Law. It's been, you know, 10, 15 years of growing now, and it's pretty yeah. exciting. Long time coming, uh, just because the space is growing mm -hmm. astronomically. Like, there's so many people starting podcasts, and mm -hmm. and most of us, we don't mm -hmm. know. We don't know the law. We don't know the things that you know. Yeah. So we need your 15 to, I don't know, you yeah. said 13 or so. entertainment law for 30, 31 years. Yeah. So, you know, but, but that's an illustration of what I was talking about before of you want to get recognized as the person in a field. You mm. have to first start out as a person in the field and doing it and being willing yes. to make mistakes and learn as you go, or, or just being willing to, you know, start ugly a little bit. Because nobody starts out perfect. If everybody started out at things, doing things perfectly, everybody would be an astrophysicist and a great musician like uh, <laughs> Brian May, <laughs> you know, from Queen. <laughs> um, that just isn't the way the universe works. So you start, you do, you learn, you adjust, you tweak, you do a little more, you, you pivot, you know, and eventually you're the guy or the yeah, guy. Yeah, you look up, you're like, huh. I think I'm doing okay at this, uh, whatever that might be, scientist, podcast, lawyer. Yeah. And and it starts well, with deciding I'm going to be the guy. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And then you put the work in. So mm -hmm. what are some maybe mistakes that you've made along the way? <laughs> well, interesting you ask that. When I created my podcast, Entertainment Law Update, I'm thinking this will be great. I'll get new clients. So it'll, it'll help me fill up my law practice with with business. Except I made a show that is about entertainment law, talking lawyers, talking law stuff, basically at other lawyers. So mm -hmm. I'm training my competition instead of informing oh. and educating my audience. Oh, I should say my intended client base. It's worked out very nicely because my competition is also my source of referral business. And you know, we mm -hmm. can't all take all the clients that come in our doors. So it's right. nice to have people say, oh, you want to talk to Gordon? He's the guy for theater or for podcasting or whatever, carve yourself a niche. Um, so mistake number one, making a show that was aimed at the wrong people. It's worked out fine. I've pivoted. I've made it work. Um, other mistakes that I've made, you know, I mean, leaving aside getting a, a fine point of law a little wrong or missing a, a nuance of something, you know, those things happen once in a while. Um, if you do it right, you don't, you don't get into a situation where it's disaster for anybody. Uh, other mistake. I don't know. Mistake. I don't like to think about my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's pivot. Right. You use that word. What is one of the things that you're really proud of that? that I want to say you came up with like in the beginning, like you kind of knew like, all right, this is one thing that I really want to do. I really think it's going to work. And it has. Well, I mean, the thing I take the greatest pride in, to be really honest, isn't about my business. It's about my okay. family, having a yes. wonderful wife and three amazing children who I am hoping to leave behind me as a legacy of people who are here to do good work, good things for the world. Whatever they choose to do will be fine, but um, they're good people. That's what's important. And that said, I think that I'm, I'm also proud of doing the work that I do and putting so much of myself out there with content and things that I'm not looking to get paid for every bit of stuff I do. Every time I open my mouth, I'm helping, I'm trying to serve the world and, and the, the people that I am trying to help podcasters, entertainment folks, creators, they have something to say. They have a message that they want to make 
to change the world. So I'm changing the world by helping them do it and showing them the way. I love it. I love it. Because you talked about referrals. People only (laughs) refer people to that they generally like. Like if everybody hated you, Gordon, Mm -hmm. I don't think you would have gotten as many referrals (laughs) as you have. And so leaving your mark in the world that way by just saying, hey, I'm just trying to do the right thing. And now these things continue to to come to you and you're the guy. But because you are, I think, set out to just be a good guy and do the right thing and do good things by by good people. That is. That's amazing. That's commendable, because a lot of times people are like, okay, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not doing it. You know, yeah, I, I mean, and, and there are people who succeed because they're just so damn good that they, they can be an a hole. And the referrals they get is you, you need to go to so and so. He's an a hole, but he knows this stuff better than anybody you, <sighs> you know, right? We've all had that encounter with somebody who's just so good that they, they don't have to be nice. Yeah. I don't want to be that, first of all. But, you know, the, the truth of it is, in no matter what you do in your in your life, no matter what your job, what your career, what your hobby, anything, People want to do business with people that they know, that they like, and that they trust. People don't choose to go as far as trusting people they don't like. Know, you know, knowing is about being visible. Trust and, and knowledge and liking, excuse me, is about being a real a human being. Yeah, it's about and connecting. I talk to my kids all the time. Yeah. You know, when my wife mentioned, the, just speaking of the liking and trusting thing, on our first date, she commented that, she was impressed by how I was speaking to the the server at the restaurant, the waitress. I was kind. I asked about her day, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It, that comes naturally to me. But if it doesn't come naturally you, to you, you, you ought to learn that skill of just being a pleasant, kind person to everybody, no matter what their station in life, no matter what they're doing. Yeah, she was there to serve me a meal. It doesn't mean I have to treat her like she's less than a human being or less important than I and my date sitting here are. And that impressed my wife, and that, that was part Is of. Is that I something that you marry. saw? Like, <laughs> good job, Gordon. I mean, obviously, you want to impress the person you're out on a date with, and uh, do you think that's something that you like saw, like from your parents or from from someone else? They kind of modeled that to you. I think my parents modeled it to me. I think also the the people, the the, the teachers that I had had in school. You know, it, I, I was. I think I'm very fortunate to have grown up in an environment where that was more the norm than the exception. I grew up in a fairly affluent community, a lot of rich people, but they were people who had earned their riches. They weren't inherited riches, and you know, they they came at it honestly and they were real people about it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> So speaking about where you grew up, what's something, because you know when people hear Hollywood, especially people like me who've never been there before, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what is something that people get all wrong about like Hollywood, LA, Canada, you know, the the entertainment kind of place and lifestyle and business. You're like, oh no, I can tell you've never been to Hollywood by just based on what you said. <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of it is that the sense of it is if you live in Hollywood, you're bumping shoulders and rub- rubbing elbows with the, the celebrities all the time. Even if you live in Beverly Hills, which is a very, very small community, relatively speaking, you're not going to bump into people. So, so it, it isn't just 
bubbling with that entertainment industry vibe all the time. It's certainly more prevalent than other places. But and and you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you're at Paramount Pictures or or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean you know it's just a city, and in fact Hollywood's not the nicest part of the city either. It's it's uh, uh, older and, it, and there's parts of it that feel real run down and you know all that. So um, so that's one just sort of superficial mistake. Um, I, I guess you know there's a perception that there's a lot of money. Everybody's rich. Everybody's, you know, and, and I, honestly, that's all those people who are faking it till they make it. They're driving the nice car, but they're going home and living in a, in a shack with six other people or, you know, who knows what. Yeah, they're grinding. But they're driving a Benz. <laughs> there is a lot of that going on. Okay, Gordon, we've come to the part of the show where I ask my three what's. Okay. And you can answer these however you want to all right so our first one is in your field or outside of it because you've kind of been in a bunch of different fields yeah uh what's an opinion that you have that will be considered unpopular an opinion that i would be considered unpopular in my life in my field um I, I'm fairly pro-labor when it comes to the entertainment industry, and even though most of my clients aren't on the labor side of the equation, I'm a firm believer that you got to treat the workers right, and that they deserve to get live, living wages and those kinds of things. Mm. And so sometimes that's not so popular with the the business folks who just want to make the movie and do it or yeah. whatever as cheaply as possible. Pro-labor, treat the people right. I don't think anybody who's listened to the rest of this will be surprised. By that answer. Okay. Second what? If you weren't practicing law, uh, what field would you be in? And I can probably guess. <laughs> well, I already know my answer. You tell me what your guess is. Uh, I would think something in sound. Yeah. I'd be running the mixing board in front of house in a theater somewhere. That would be my, it's still a dream for me. I love doing that kind of stuff. So do you plan to like one day kind of figure out how to get back to it? You know, maybe someday once my kids are out of school and old enough to support mm -hmm. me, I'll go back and retire and just do that as, you know, volunteer at the community theater or something like that. But uh, that'd be great. I joke be like, my kids have to support me when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're showing them the way. You're showing yeah. them the way. Okay. Last what? What advice would you give to someone in high school? So if I take this back to my kids and I say, hey, guys, Gordon Firemark, best name in the business. He's got a he has great advice for you. What would that advice be? You know, it's going to sound cliche. But follow your dreams. Do mm. the thing that you know in your heart that you feel drawn to do no matter what anybody else says. Now, that's not to say don't go to college just because, you know, there's a faster way to become an artist or something like that. Right. But keep your eye on that prize. And there will be people who say don't do that or you shouldn't or that's a bad choice or, you know, whatever. And I'll tell you, you know, when I was going to go into the theater, my parents were pretty tough about it. And, and mm. I only realized later that they were just concerned, worried about me because they know, you know, everybody knows the entertainment industry. Wow, that's a hard thing to break into. It's hard to make a living. It's low pay, whatever. 
so they're saying no wasn't that they didn't believe in me. It was that they were worried that I would be unhappy and, and unable to support myself and whatever else. Mm. So understand when you hear those naysayers, the negative talk, that it's probably coming from a good place, a, a place of conscience and concern. And yet I would say I would rather be poor and, and happy than rich and miserable. Mm. Ooh, now that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I would, yeah, probably. I mean, I'd love to be rich and happy. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but if if my if my happiness has to be sacrificed in order to make money, I'm out. I'm out. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because there's Thanks, there's no substitute for happiness. Like there's no substitute mm -hmm. for because, and I'm sure you've run into plenty of these people where they have a job where they're making a ton of money but they don't like their life. They yeah. hate it. They wish they could get out of it. I work in a and... profession filled with those people. You know, there was a survey probably 10, 15 years ago now, but there was a survey of lawyers that asked them if you had it to do, to do over again, would you become a lawyer? 70% said no. Wow. 70. That's pretty high. Yeah. I, for one, I'd say yes, but it's because I have a, a really fun, special kind of a practice. I am not just toiling away defending some insurance company every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you kind of found a way to take like this profession that has this very high stress rate, mm -hmm. high stress rate, very mm -hmm. grinded out kind of profession. And you kind of steered it to the things that you that you love and like with the theater and being yeah. able to kind of be around that in the entertainment. So um kudos yeah in my you, work Mr. i get to Firefly. i get to help the kinds of people that i care about and that i like being around and that's what's important so yeah it's uh, you know i'm i'm too young to be having these kinds of reminiscences but i i'm so grateful <laughs> for the life that i've i've had and created for myself and uh, and it's going to continue for a good long time ahead so that's wonderful thank you for bringing that out i appreciate it man i think there's no better place to to hang our hat and so I'm I'm grateful that you came on. I'm like, man, this big shot lawyer wants to come on my podcast, my little corner in the world. <laughs> but you know, man, it's all about the people. Man, the, throughout your whole, throughout this episode, you just talked about the people, the people that came into your life, that poured into you, the people that you're able to help. You talked about your wife, your kids, mm -hmm. uh, the principal. And again, you just closed it out. I get to help the people that I know and love and like. So if there's anything that you didn't get from this episode, man, it's about the people. Try to connect with good people and, and help as many people as you can in whatever way you can. Because how everybody helps is it's just a little bit different, right? You might be the sound guy. I'm the guy in front. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and here it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just lay it out on the line now. Go Everything else is just stuff. People is where the love is. That's where it comes from. And if there's a reason for living, it's love and happiness. Okay. And money. No. <laughs> so the people, and, that's what. And you all. say you're not a front, uh, front of the house guy. You're not a, uh, in front of the camera guy. Man, I could, I'll take it. I'll take it all day. <laughs> Thanks so much. This has been really fun. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. 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 You know, Gordon, we're both hosts. So we know we can just talk forever. Yep. But I'm going to sign this out here. Thank you all for listening to the Living Numbers Podcast. I am your host, Tony Ramble, signing off for the Gordon Firemark. Hey, wait a second. Tell everybody where they can find you. How could we forget? Well, follow me on social media. 
G Firemark, that's F-I-R-E-M-A-R-K. So G-F-I-R-E-M-A-R-K. Gordonfiremark.com is the is the sort of host central hub website, but I'm all over the place. And the podcast is called Entertainment Law Update if you're interested in hearing what we do. Thanks for having Absolutely. Especially if you're uh, a host of a podcast, you definitely need to go check this out because he's literally helping all of us out. So thank you, Gordon. It was a pleasure having you on. I can't wait to see you next week. And uh, we will see you all in the next ramp. All right, I think we got it. That was awesome. You got me thinking about some stuff. Yeah.